0: Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. Today is Monday, September 30th. I'm Justin Coachola alongside Tim Hirth. We have got a uh, a big old pile of Virginia Tech football to talk about, and unfortunately it's not going to be too positive uh, after the performance that they laid out on Friday night. One of the worst performances we've ever seen in the history of Virginia Tech football program. We have some other action in the ACC that we'll get to, uh, but first off, Tim, what's going on?
1: I'm recovering. Uh, I celebrated early into the morning uh, with my friend Chris's wedding. Uh, again, congratulations, Chris and Kara. Uh, I'll give you another shout out. It was totally a night worth remembering. Um, quite the opposite for the Virginia Tech Hokies on Friday night, but you know we had a good time. And as you get older, it uh, you know you need like a day of recovery for these weddings. I was uh, on the dance floor. You know it was a great great night, um, but I started getting like leg cramps when I was dancing and. You know, I'd make it about three or four songs, and it was a hot venue, and you know I'd have to take a break, and you know this getting old thing isn't good.
0: No, I got to tell you, I uh, I know what you mean. It's one of those days where you could go for a walk, and the next day you're like, wow, you know I'm kind of sore after that. You know, it's yeah. kind of uh, it's kind of yeah. bad. It's not not necessarily a great sign. Um, I am sitting here in a uh, parking lot in new jersey waiting for my hotel room so you're going to be hearing a lot of birds a lot of cars uh, possibly some wind Uh, i just want you to know we're doing this for you it's the dedication so don't hold this sound quality against us i'm actually sitting here tim on a pedalap it looks (laughs) like you can bike your ride at pedalap.com and uh, i'll post a picture on on twitter about my setup for today but i'm uh I'm just hoping I don't get kicked off during the course of the show. Otherwise, I'm just going to be walking around with the microphone, looking like a fool, talking into my uh, talking into my computer. So it's it's going to be uh, interesting.
1: Hey, man, I'm glad you could do it. Uh, you know, there's nothing that's going to stop us as far as this, as far as this pod goes. We had to get this out. This was not something that could have waited.
0: Uh, there's no doubt. And for those that maybe didn't see the game or haven't heard, which if you're listening to this, I seriously doubt that's the case. <laughs> right. Uh, Virginia Tech, worst home loss since 1974, so let's just jump right into it, and these are the facts. Here's what we know, Tim. Lane Stadium is no longer an intimidating place to play football. No. The VT football program has essentially become a national punchline. I don't know if anybody heard it, but the uh, producer for College Game Day, you know, said the surest thing in football right now is taking a road underdog at Lane Stadium, so <laughs> that's kind of where we're at right now. Thanks fair. Uh, Hokies off to their first 0-2 start in league play since joining the Big East or the ACC. So that's never happened before, so congratulations. Fifth loss by 20 or more points in the last 13 games. So just to give you an idea, you know, it wasn't all glitz and glamour towards the end of the Beamer era. And you can say that all you want. But at the end of the day, Frank Beamer only lost by 20 plus points Five times over the last five years. And four of those times, Tim, were against the top ranked Alabama team and That's three right. times against Clemson. Okay? And an average Miami team. So that was the worst loss of the bunch. Virginia Tech, on the other hand, since last October, they've lost to Boston College twice. They haven't had more than seven wins in, you know, a decade, it seems. Right. They lost to Notre Dame by 22 at home. They lost to Georgia Tech by 21. They lost to Pitt by 30. They lost to Miami by 24. They lost to Duke by 35. So what does that tell you? It tells you that Virginia Tech is one of the worst Power 5 football teams in college football. And it's not even really up for debate.
1: That's right.
0: And I think what is really frustrating about all of this is that coming into this year, there was hope. You know, last year, it was a young football team. You know, there was obviously some disarray going off in the uh, in the offseason. We kind of expected things to be a little bit of a mess, and it was, especially as the injuries started piling up and, you know, there was uncertainty at some of the key positions. But that team, Tim, down the stretch, it seemed like they fought. And I'm not saying this team isn't fighting, but what I'm saying is a lot of these guys on this team were on that team. Right. And they don't seem to be progressing. They seem to be getting... In fact, much, much worse. I don't know where you stand on this, but this is how I could sum it up in the best way possible. They had 13 days off. They had a bye week, as did Duke. And they lost by five touchdowns at home. That is, to me, in my history of Virginia Tech football, which is... A decent one. I wasn't around for the younger Beamer eras as a fan. I was a young child. The worst loss in Virginia Tech football history in the last 40 years. We'll we'll say 45 since it was the the worst home loss in 45 years. I can't recall a loss that has been worse. Now, there might have been bigger losses. There might have been bigger blowouts. But this one was particularly bad because this was a average Duke team that came in and just had their way with Virginia Tech after the first quarter. And right. to me, this this team is taking on the persona of the head coach because this is a defense that came out and allowed five yards in the first quarter. Sure. The offense didn't take advantage. They got three points out of two two drives that started at the fifty or better. They got three points. And this team, the second they get punched in the mouth, that's it.
1: They wilt. They're done.
0: There's nothing that can be done to stop the floodgates from opening. This team crumbles, and they can't get up. And to me, that's a coaching issue.
1: It totally is. That trickles down from the top. And, you know, I I say all these things, and I have all these complaints. I feel like Martin Luther, with the 95 theses, on the Catholic Church in this regard, because I just have a a massive list of complaints, and I feel bad for the players because my complaints don't center around those guys. Those guys are wearing the Virginia Tech jersey, and I'm proud that they're doing so. What I'm seeing uh, from them and the problems that I see that they have are all from the top, uh, from what I can see. Uh, I don't even know need to go into stats in this game. The stats are completely irrelevant. What I saw on that football field was troubling to the point where I'm not sure there's any return from what we saw. I don't know how you salvage anything from what I've seen with the Virginia Tech football program now for the past year and a half.
0: This, um, this was a game, Tim, where there's absolutely nothing you can take to build off of. No, other than no heads, some heads need to roll. Because no. Ryan Willis in this game, he had the 172-yard touchdown pass. Otherwise, he would yeah, have had less than fifty yards passing. He did have in interception.
1: Nothing. Right. Kashawn so,
0: King, six carries.
1: Right, because that makes sense. That all makes sense. You know, and, and and this is the thing. I mean, the whole team plays like they're scared of making mistakes. That whole team plays like they're scared to take a risk. That coach, Justin Fuente, seems like a coach who's scared to take a risk. And that's troubling. These players play like they're in their own head, like they're not free mentally.
0: So here's they, here's something for you. Fuente doesn't even seem like he's scared to take a risk because he's not doing anything on the sidelines. There was multiple times where again, his demeanor on the sidelines right now is dazed and confused. Right. I've read his lips on a single play. It says, How does that happen? as he's holding the microphone into his into his mouth essentially and mumbling yeah, the words.
1: That's what you want yourself. You know how it happens?
0: Quinte? Because you won't take control of the offensive situation that's going on in Blacksburg right now. You're no. the head coach, okay? You continue to let a guy call plays that is way in over his head.
1: For three years, he's For been three clearly years. in over his head. This, the is, number this, this is the most ups, disturbing thing to me, is that this is not a now problem. This has been a problem For three years, and as the head coach of the football program, it is your job to identify areas in which that football team is lacking, and one of the biggest issues has been identity, scheme, and the ability to adjust on the offensive side of the ball and make plays that take advantage of the playmakers that Virginia Tech has. You've had three years to do that. You are a so-called quarterback whisperer. Offense is your thing, and you don't have the ability to make that analysis and make the critical calls that need to be made. There have been no changes hardly over the past three years when it comes to major position coaches that, that really matter and especially on the offensive side of the ball we haven't made changes not anything of, of, of any uh, of any um, you know uh, I'm, I'm struggling for the word here but nothing of any consequence let me, so let me put it to you t- this way Yeah,
0: the play calling has made me look back on the Scott Leffler era and miss it <laughs> that's how bad it's been
1: yeah, I mean, I saw a tweet today, uh, you know, that said at least Steinspring could recruit. we That's a fact. We're now mourning, and we're in the cycle where we're wishing uh, for offensive coordinators that had hurt us in the past. The, pr- and- the
0: problem is right now, Tim, is when Steinspring was there, what did we have? We had an elite-level defense. We didn't have a guy who was known as an offensive guru. We didn't have tremendous talent on the office. We had good talent. I'm not— you know disrespecting the talent that we've had over the years on offense but you know whenever we had like a super elite defense our offense was typically the unit that was lacking at you know a key position or a key personnel group or whatever you know that's what i'm getting at here we we and, have and look, nothing even and close and to I, I, I anywhere up, on the field. field
1: you know what we had when science spring was here we had dogs man we had players with swagger we had players that played free played hard, played aggressive, and knew what the heck they were going to do every time they stepped out on that football field. They didn't play like players that were scared to make mistakes. They didn't play like players that lacked confidence completely. They didn't play like they're playing for a coach who's completely in over his head. They looked like players that had a mission, that had an identity. They went out there and they played hard-nosed football on both sides of the ball and excelled at special teams and made big plays in big moments. Right now, we don't have players that can make those plays. We don't have players that play in that same manner. And that's not on those players. I don't think this Virginia Tech football team lacks talent. I don't think they lack talent. They don't lack I think they lack it. What that it is, Frank Beamer could get out of those players. And Frank Beamer instilled it in players that didn't have it. And that team as a whole fed into it. And you can't teach it. But I can tell you this. There's nothing going on with Fuente that's giving me any sort of confidence that he even has a general semblance of an idea of what it takes to identify the type of player you need to play like those Virginia Tech teams did. And he showed me that he has no idea how to evaluate talent in order to get those players to come to this university. Because make no mistake, we've had good recruiting classes from a recruiting standpoint for the past, you know, outside of this year, the past three years prior. You couldn't tell by looking at that football field, Justin.
0: Now, here's the thing. This the the post-game presser was just amazing to me because it just sounded like a guy if you thought we were lost on the football field, Fuente just sounds lost anywhere you look. Anywhere. One one anywhere. of his quotes, "Obviously we're not ready. We're not at the point where we can compete and play and have a chance to win against that
1: team that we played tonight." What? A team in the ACC Coastal? You're here 4 years? And you can't prepare to play a team, an average team, in the ACC Coastal? Virginia Tech played a worse
0: version of this team last year on the road that ended up having the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft, who's tearing it up right now in the NFL, and they beat them 31-14 after losing to Old Dominion. What do you mean this team wasn't ready? We're not at the point where we can compete. What are you talking about another one just being 100 percent candid here some of it has been play-based right Hendon has worked hard and deserved a chance to play Ryan hasn't always been as consistent as we want both of them are dealing with health issues we tried to split the time a little bit with those guys or maybe lessen the load a little bit is what we're trying to do that doesn't make any kind of remote sense whatsoever when no. we're talking about who's ready to play quarterback no. at a you, power you know five what he's squad.
1: trying to do He's trying to avoid making a decision here. It has to be that. He's worried that he's going to make a mistake. He doesn't know he's, what he's, to do.
0: He said Hendon's been playing hard in practice, so he deserved to play. No. What? Yeah, the, the walk-ons play well. And I'm not saying that I didn't want to see Hendon because I'm to the point now where I don't want to see Ryan Willis anymore because it's clear that this team has maybe two wins left in the bank. And otherwise, I just don't see a whole lot of wins left on the schedule. Okay. Now, it's September. They can turn it around. I don't think they're going to because I have seen nothing that's told me they will. They've actually gotten worse every single week of the season. They've got multiple turnovers in every single game this season. What does that tell you? They're not getting better in practice. What does that tell you? That's a coaching problem. What else needs to be said? I just don't understand what else needs to be said or understood in order to see the changes that need to be made. If I don't see Justin yeah. Fuente with the play sheet in front of his mouth against Miami next week, I'm going to lose it. Yeah. Because that just, to me, signals a guy who just refuses to make changes throughout the course of a year. And if we see this little quarterback roulette thing, listen, if you want to get guys' looks, get guys' looks. But make it make sense. You throw on Quincy Patterson for a single play and he pulls him out of the game? What, what is that? Stop that crap. Hendon Hooker throws two passes. The first two attempts he's ever, ever attempted in an actual game. What did we learn about Hendon Hooker? Absolutely nothing. Not a darn thing. It's about time we start learning what these guys are capable of. Yeah. And then the dudes on your team that you're refusing to give the ball, like Keyshawn King, who had six carries. I don't know if the fumble was on him. I don't know if it was on Hooker. Probably a little bit of both. But what are, what are we doing giving the ball to McLeese at this point? What are we doing rolling out Ryan Willis? Because this is not a ball team.
1: Right. You want to you play Coach Hardass with Keyshawn King and take him out of the game when he maybe makes a mistake. I'm not even sure. It looked like Hendon was pretty culpable in there if you ask me too. But then you want to let Ryan Willis basically run rampant and do whatever he wants for the first four weeks. A little consistency would be really nice out of that coaching staff. And and Justin, to me, it's not just the coaching that's the problem. It's everything with the football program right now is in a bad, bad spot. People are apathetic at this point. The losses are starting to become commonplace. And we're oh, the losses to are lose. certainly,
0: and it's not just losses are commonplace. It's big blowout losses. losses,
1: big losses. Pitt last year, if I don't even, I don't even think I was over that game yet. And here we go with a Duke game that felt so predictable in its nature that I just kind of rolled with it, man. That's Fuente era football, and and it's not just that. I was reading a tweet about how they honored uh, the '99. 1999 football team uh, this weekend. And apparently it was just a a short video clip that everybody had seen already on YouTube, and that was basically it. That team galvanized everything and legitimized everything that we were doing at Virginia Tech from a football standpoint.
0: Yeah, that team put Virginia Tech on the map.
1: They deserved a hero's welcome. They didn't get it. Worse than that, Fuente didn't even take the time to talk to one person on that football team while they were here there are many things that fuente has done that make me question what kind of person he is if he even gets it i don't think fuente gets it when we talk about and the the recruit's name uh is slipping my mind number one player in the state of virginia he hadn't even spoken to the recruit's father tony grimes tony thank you tony grimes had even spoken to his father the only football program recruiting him that they hadn't heard from the head coach was Justin Fuente. That's an in-state recruit. This is the kind of stuff that worries me even more than the poor football that I'm seeing on the field. And it's starting to show up in our recruiting numbers. Is starting to show up in the fans, in the fans attending the game. I mean, how many are we expecting for Rhode Island? 50,000? 45,000?
0: No, and I mean, here's here's the thing, like you know fans are flooding out of the stadium in the third quarter and you can't even blame them anymore no
1: no hell no i don't blame them
0: i mean duke scored 21 points in the second quarter and nothing against nothing not taking anything away from duke they they played the game that we expected them to play they took what the defense gave them if you blitzed them They hit their running backs, little dump off screens. They ran their offense in the box like they know how to run it. And the amount of just plays downfield where, you know, you had guys running wide open. Like, I don't know what happened there because that defense looked like a Bud Foster defense of old in the first quarter. And then they're on the field a lot. Offense isn't moving the ball. They poorly execute one play. Guy walks into the end zone. And after that, both sides of the ball, not just the defense. They just, they fold. They, yeah. they fold it. And if you have a mentally weak team, which is what this team is right now, amen. That's, that's because of your coaches. That's right. Athletically, this team should be in the upper tier of the ACC. And I understand the ACC's having a down year. I get it. But we're talking about Virginia Tech against ACC teams. And they look like they're in the Southern Conference. They look like they're the fcs opponent and that's putting it that's putting it nicely in fuente you know i don't think he's a bad person but i do think you have to have that it factor when you're a power five coach when you're a guy at a big program and you know this isn't wake forest you know this isn't rutgers this isn't boston college even this was a program that was one of the most respected programs in college football when you took over yeah and yeah they had had a couple of down years up until that point.
1: I get it. Down, down in quotation marks. Down I mean, in quotation marks, like but still winning lead, not seasons. Like down years you see. Still making bowls. Right.
0: Still recruiting at a fairly high level. Exactly. Top, in, in the 20s. Good luck. Good luck enhancing that 70th rated recruiting class or whatever it's at right now because f- now guys football, are canceling visits.
1: A football program that was a dominant force in the state still is, record-wise. He came in to an absolutely cushy job. I mean, th- there may not have been easier jobs anywhere. And went, anywhere, won 10 games. Talking about a team that competes in the ACC Coastal, ha- right. has legacy, has an identity, has a fan base, has the facilities. And, and he walked in here, took Beamer's players, had success the first year, I think a lot due to the fact that he had a quarterback that fit what we were trying to do. And wrote it to the ACC Championship game. And since then, it has been a downward trend every year. And every game that goes by, it gets worse. And that's why we find us ourselves at a flashpoint now where we're nearing the point of no return. We're nearing the point where it's going to take years to rectify what's going on if the correct decisions are not made, not only from Frente, but from Whit Bagcock. And Whit deserves a lot of stick here too because he's given fuente a buyout that handicaps us in our ability to make wholesale changes so and
0: so the thing with the buyout too so let's talk about that a little bit you know i don't think we're going to see any coaches fired during the course of the season i I would Um, love to
1: see the offensive coordinator fired now
0: well it and maybe he's fired fired from his role but i think he might be assigned to another role that's what i'm saying so
1: we might see some
0: movement i don't think we're going to see anybody fired but at the end of the day the 15 million dollar buyout so it is prorated so it's not a 15 million dollar lump sum which maybe helps things and i think as hokey fans you got to be okay if you know you go out and you get a guy who's maybe a relative unknown a little bit cheaper you know maybe something like that in the future But at the end of the day, we still have to worry about this year. It's still September. The next game is the first game of October. Only three games in October for the Hokies. Miami, uh, Rhode Island, and North Carolina. All right. right. Focus on those, one game at a time. The season ain't over. And the ship can be righted. That's what's so frustrating. Yeah. Is... There's just things that need to be adjusted, and they're just not getting adjusted. I look at this team, and I know they have talent. I know they have ability. We're just not getting the most out of the players. No. no. And that needs to change. And if it does change, I'm all for it. Happy-go-lucky guy. Let's see if we can make a bowl. I think that's the target right now. They're not going to win the Coastal. Okay? That I mean, that ship has sailed. They're 0-2 in the conference. Virginia is going to be tough to lose two to three games uh Miami's gonna be a tough out really solid defense with the way that offense played they're not gonna score any points next week no none zero they would have scored
1: zero points
0: against Miami and Miami hasn't even looked that good
1: no we're saying this about a
0: mediocre Miami team right now
1: yeah I mean I I don't know how many wins we even have in the ACC this year um if we're gonna come out and play like that I'll, I'll I'll turn this back to you uh Justin, let's say that you are Justin Fuente and you're in your office Monday morning. He feels the heat. Make no mistake, this loss had a reaction like I've never seen in my time supporting Virginia Tech. The vitriol, the negativity from the fan base, the pressure that is going to come with losing in the way that he lost in Lane Stadium to Duke that's going to lead to immediate changes in my mind.
0: And I honestly, you know, and this sounds stupid when I'm saying it out loud. But I really feel like this is kind of the point to where we're at now as a football program. He needs to come out and address that.
1: That's what I mean. He, he needs to talk. So
0: what he I was needs saying to talk is about it
1: Monday. Not only do you need to make changes, you have to start offering some explanations as to why we're in the situation that we're in. What went wrong? How do we fix it? So in my mind, first and foremost, the burning question, offensively, we're a train wreck. Offensively we've been not great for the past three years, and we're getting worse. It's time to take play calling duties away from corny. And I think that's gonna happen this week. And I think it's well, gonna be for the better.
0: If it doesn't, uh then you know, no. it's just gonna be more of the same. And You know, we're to the point now where what I want to see going forward is changes made with the offensive play calling. I want to see personnel changes. I want to see what Hendon Hooker and Quincy Patterson can do. And I don't care if Quincy Patterson is running the ball 55 times a game. It would be better than this. The triple option would be better than this right now, okay? They're not moving the football. Ryan Willis, he's just not getting it done. And he's a redshirt senior, and there's really no point in putting any more value onto what he can bring to program because he's shown that he's not bringing any value at all. That's now, maybe right. he can bring value on the sidelines. Maybe he can bring value as a teammate, and I'm sure he is. He seems like a good teammate, seems like a good kid. He's just not getting it done on the football field. So I, I don't like to be too critical of the players because they are super young. I understand that. I put it really more on the backs of the coaches. You need to make the change. This kid is not getting it done. Put him in a situation to where he can succeed. Maybe he can succeed as a play caller, as a sideline coach. He's not succeeding on the football field. We've seen no. it time and time again. Leads the country in turnovers, most likely. I'm guessing. I'd be shocked if he didn't. So, yeah. make the changes. Get a little bit creative on offense. If you're such an offensive guru, let's, let's see it. Let's see it come out. Perfect time. Because all we expect right now is trash from a play calling standpoint, because that's what we're getting. So let's go out there. Let's see something a little bit more dynamic than a crossing route on third down or a jet sweep on first down that goes for a minus five yard loss that then turns into a uh, three step drop. And then the quarterbacks hit and then fumbles the football or throws a pick because that's, that's our offense right now. A big play here and there. McLeese had a nice run. Other than that, the offense did absolutely nothing the entire game. So I'll just end it on this. The program right now is at rock bottom. That doesn't mean it's not going to get worse before it gets better because, honestly, again, and I'm not over-exaggerating here, I just don't see this team winning more than four games, if you ask me right now. And that's Rhode Island and Georgia Tech. And since they played two FCS teams this year, they need to get to seven for a bowl. I just don't see that happening. You know, we got a North Carolina team that we're going to talk about in a second. We thought that was a win in the preseason. We got a Pitt team. They played like trash yesterday against Delaware, but they didn't play like seven starters. I'll throw it out. Right. Including the quarterback.
1: Yeah. And, and, and for me, the thing I'm going to close it on is it's time for accountability. What's been done to this football pro- program is unacceptable. Where we find ourselves now as, as Hokie football fans, alumni, it's unacceptable. And it's time for accountability. That's my, that's my biggest indictment on Fuente so far, is he's shown no accountability. No one is accountable for this football program. We've continued to have issues, and no changes have been made. There's zero accountability, but no one's at risk, and it's time to change that. Whether I'm speaking to Fuente or with Babcock, decisions need to be made that are going to reflect the fact that that was just a horrible loss, and one loss that can't happen. So I would like to see some changes in the short term, immediately, large changes. And if we don't see those, it's time to start questioning the leadership of of not only Justin Fuente, but of Whit Babcock. Because as I said, a a lot of this is going to be on him, given that that absurd uh, buyout that we have. So let's see some changes. Like you said, you can still right the ship, although it seems completely unobtainable at this time. But what I would love to see from here on out, assuming Fuente is our head coach, find those dogs. Find the players that are going to give it up. Change that depth chart. Shake things up. No more team meetings. No more turkey bacon. No more throwing this at the feet of so-called toxic players. This is on you as a coaching staff, and it's on you to fix it.
0: So I think we should uh, leave it on that. Um, You know, there's really nothing else to say to no. be honest so let's just see if uh, let's see if anything else uh, or let's see if uh, we see anything better on the field against Miami so not, not an easy game to do that because Miami's defense is legit they've got a pretty good quarterback in Jaron Williams uh, nice running back in DJ Dallas so it's going to be a tough, a tough game for the Hokies but uh, it's an important game no doubt it and is I don't care if they lose the game I want to no. see them compete start <laughs> to finish I want are. to see them improve that's, that's what it. I want
1: to see now give me something positive man I'll take positivity out of a loss when it comes to playing Miami but if, if we drop the same coaching staff out there and we do the same things I will have huge problems and wit if you want to get everybody on board for the drive for 25 don't send out a text message during the Duke game in which we're getting just beaten senselessly that was idiotic
0: Yeah, not not great timing there. That was obviously preloaded, I'm sure, Um, and he was probably scratching his head at the end. But let's let's move on. Let's talk about Clemson, North Carolina. So this was obviously a shocker, Tim. The Tigers were 26-and-a-half point favorite, and it came down to the final possession for North Carolina. Probably the most complete game the Tar Heels have played all season. They led much of the way. The defense hung in against the Tigers' high-powered offense. Cardiac Sam was still at it again. I'm still working on that nickname, but that's where I'm at for now leads a 16 play touchdown drive that went eight and a half minutes including multiple four-town conversions and then the play call you know I don't have an issue with them going for two I agree with that no. I said they were no, no. gonna go for two I just hated the play call
1: yeah I didn't like the play call but you you gotta love that attitude and honestly and that's that's an attitude that's missing in college football I think there's so many teams that could learn a lesson from that level of aggression in those kind of games
0: yeah like you all Monroe for example
1: <laughs> exactly but
0: an incredible performance by what I deem to be an overmatched UNC team. So no, no matter how you feel about the program, you know you got to give it to them there. Uh, they have a lot of fight. They always seem to make things very interesting towards the end of the game. And like I said, I thought this was one of their more complete games. But despite that, their third loss in a row. Um, but if you're a UNC fan, unlike Virginia Tech, you got to be pretty happy with where things stand right now. The team's right. competing. They look better. There's some young players that are doing what they need to do. You know, How looks like he's the real deal. The D was able to slow Clemson down. Clemson, on the other hand, you know, not sure what to make of this. It was their 20th win in a row as a program. I don't think any less of them as a team. but No, no. You know, never should have really been this close. Only had 331 total yards, and they just couldn't get going on the ground. Travis Etienne, yeah. costly fumble in the first half, only 67 yards on 14 carries. So they actually got outgained by North Carolina.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of just, it, it gave us a glimpse into Clemson, and they're not this just invulnerable machine at this point. Uh, they are, you know, liable to make a slip up every now and then, and, and trap games are still a, a thing even for them. So, again, it, nothing really changes about Clemson. They are who we thought they were. They won the game, um, but, you know, they have an Achilles heel. Maybe they have a window where you could see a, a one ACC loss out of that team
0: yeah I mean it's it's one of those things where North Carolina it's going to be a roller coaster this season they're going to look really good at times and they're going to look really bad at times I think of so course. it's not it's not over for them uh another game which kind of reminded me of the Virginia Tech Notre Dame game last year was Notre Dame hosting UVA Irish win 35 20 you know Bryce Perkins tail of two halves you know he's gonna have nightmares of Julian Acara you know chasing him down you know Perkins in the first half 18 for 22 235 two touchdowns Second half, not so good. 12-21, 99 yards, two picks. He also lost three fumbles, which all came on sacks. And he uh, he just wasn't reading the blitz. He wasn't picking it up. But the thing that really stood out to me was UVA just cannot run the football. And this is something we've mentioned over and over and over and over. And that is going to cost them down the line, especially against a team like Notre Dame or against really any formidable uh, opponent. And they finished this game with four yards on the ground. And that 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 includes the 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 lost sack yardage. So, for example, Perkins had 16 carries for negative 29 yards. Mm. Their leading back was Tula Papa, only 10 carries for 31 yards. That's not going to get it done.
1: Not Perkins,
0: he is a one-man show. He's getting hit over and over. The Notre Dame defense had eight sacks, five in the third quarter. That's when the game really started to turn. That Irish defensive line, I tell you what, last two weeks... That unit has looked really good, way better than what it looked like to start the season. So if anything, the Fighting Irish, you know, I think they ended up being a 10.5 point favorite by the time this game got kicked off. They ended up winning by 15. You know, it it was a somewhat dominant performance. They started just kind of cruising there towards the, uh, you know, halfway to go in the fourth quarter. But, you know, really strong defense performance offensively. You know, Ian Book did enough. Uh, to get by, just kind of manage the game. Tony Jones Jr. was the star on offense for them, had a over 130 yards and three rushing touchdowns. But overall dominant performance, I thought, by Notre Dame in the second half. UVA's got some work to do. They need to work on uh, you know everything around Bryce Perkins. I thought Perkins looked the best that he's looked all season in the first half. In the second half, it's more of kind of what we've seen from his, him as a passer so far this year.
1: Right. Right. I, I totally agree. And you nailed it with Virginia. That that running game is going to have to change, and I, I don't think we're at a point where that's something you can just snap your fingers if you're Bronco Mendenhall and say, okay, now there will be rushing yards. Um, it's just going to be a challenge for the rest of the season, and I think that's what's going to be the ultimate limiting factor uh, for UVA and their trajectory on the season.
0: Yeah, and so UVA, they're now 0-27 on the road against teams in the top 10 and uh, the loss, I, I refer to the stat, I, I have it here now. The ACC is 0-21 playing a ranked Notre Dame team at Notre Dame Stadium all time. Wow. So, 13 straight win at home for Notre Dame, 900th overall. Uh, for those that remember them getting a 900th win before, they had some wins vacated back in the day, so they're back at 900 now. So... Uh, the Irish keep rolling. Let's talk about another team that's rolling, Tim. Wake Forest in Boston College. The Demon Deacons sneak by, get their seventh straight win. 27-24 over BC. It's the second time in school history they've started 5-0. and That seventh straight win was a school record. And uh, first time starting 5-0 and since 2007 when the Riley Skinner-led Demon Deeks made it to the Orange Bowl. So a strong offensive performance uh, by Jamie Newman. Once again, 21 to 33 for 243 and two touchdowns. He also had 102 yards on the ground. It wasn't a super crisp offense performance by uh, the entire team. You know, Sage Charrat had a couple of plays, left, left some opportunities on the field, but did have a six consecutive. Uh, game with the touchdown. Kearney only had 24 carries for 58 yards, so that Boston College defensive line has, has made some adjustments, it seems like, since the uh, since the Kansas game, but right. they were extremely efficient on third down. 17-24 to 24 on third down attempts, and this was a team that, once again, you know, they, they did what they do best. They're an efficient offense. Jamie Newman, as long as he's the guy with the ball, they're going to have a chance to win any game that they're in. So... BC played okay Um, for the most part. A.J. Dillon had over 150 yards for the third straight game. David Bailey added 44 yards on the ground, also caught a touchdown, also threw a touchdown. Um, But really kind of what I was left with was Adazio made some really questionable calls in this one. And I love now, I don't know if you've noticed this trend, Tim, but every coach, if they make a questionable call, they specifically call out that their analytics told them, to do it in that big situation oh, now well, it was the analytics you know that's why we decided to you know to go for to go for two when we were up by uh, 25 because we knew that there was a chance they'd come back well, you I don't excited. hear that when it's accountability a successful play. man accountability yeah. goes out exactly. the window
1: um yeah i mean it was much closer than i anticipated i also thought uh anthony brown had a good game for boston college uh, a much better game than we had been seeing from him outside of the two picks i thought he was pretty good Um, You know, the turnovers obviously crippled him. Jamie Newman, too. Uh, Not as much as far as volume goes through the air. Um, But, yeah, getting 250 through the air and 100 on the ground is huge. If that's coming from your quarterback, you're going to be in a good position uh, any day of the week. So Wake Forest continues to roll, although, you know, you would hope to see them win by a little more, given uh, how highly they're thought of right now. And I think it's about time that we go ahead and, and get Wake in the top 25
0: yeah wake is definitely going to be in the top 25 and uh let's just let's see what they can keep doing they're going to be they're going to be a tough out and if man if they were in that coastal
1: oh you you
0: gotta imagine they would they would be uh the representative there but um, i would think so nc state fsu tim so this one was uh this one was pretty rough for old Wolfpack fans you know seminoles they were coming off a win against louisville six and a half point favorite at home and Uh, They ended up not playing James Blackman. He kind of re-aggravated the injury, so they went with uh, Alex Hornibrook, and uh, he looked good for the most part. Cam Akers really led this team, and uh, I think the big storyline for NC State here was that Bailey Hockman took over in the first quarter and did not come out of the game after that. So I don't know what your uh, thought was on the game overall, but I'll let you take it from here.
1: Yeah, I think NC State's just struggling right now with the quarterbacks. They don't seem to have one that's really come to the top. Obviously, Matt McKay has uh, cemented himself as the uh, low man on the pecking order right now. Um, When Hockman got hurt, Devin Leary came in, made a couple of good passes. Hockman looked okay. I think you can build on what's there with Hockman. Um, He certainly looked miles better than McKay was looking at the beginning of the game. Um, And so if you give Hockman time to settle in, you may see some better returns there. Uh, you know, I don't think NC State is far off. I think they're a team struggling with two things. One, that's the quarterback play, but two, the offensive coordinators uh, that were added in the offseason. George McDonald and Des Kitchings, were both on the staff, both internal hires, went from position coaches to offensive coordinators, now sharing those duties. And I'm not sure that that's going the best right now for NC State. Um, you know, Dave Huxtable and Tony Gibson are doing what they can on the defensive side of the ball, but even that's, you know, the pass coverage for NC State has been a problem for a few years. So, I don't think they're far off. Dave Doran, again, I think a good coach. He's in a situation where he's in a rebuilding gear. I think most people saw it as a rebuilding gear, but thought that they might get enough quarterback play to eke out eight wins. Um, I don't know that eight wins are a reality anymore unless some uh, really big changes come in the offensive end with the switch of quarterback. But really, if you're an NC State fan, you're worried about where that team is going offensively from a scheme standpoint. Uh, They're just not... They're running into a lot of issues with play calling, getting plays in on time, delay of games, false starts. They don't look good. They don't look crisp. They look a little sloppy. Um, and to me, a lot of that deals with, you know, your offensive coordinators and how they're running the game. Um, you, know, you know, splitting play calling between first and second down and third and fourth down with two uh, different play callers seems just a weird fit to me. So what Dave does about that moving forward, I don't know. Uh, but the early returns on this, if you include the bowl game against Texas A and M, are not good for the Wolfpack.
0: Yeah, and I kind of like I, I liked what Bailey Hockman was doing at times, and then other times I was like, "Ooh, God, that was a terrible! Yeah, bad terrible throw." throw.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so obviously, some work to do there. I mean, my assessment is they're probably going to roll with him uh, until sure. they have to take him out. Uh, for lack of performance, but right. you know it's one of those things. We kind of expected this out of NC State. This isn't a surprise. Um, so you know, let's just see if they can improve going from week to week. And, Florida and, State. I mean, I thought it was a, a well played game for them. You know, it was a game where they had the lead, they held it, and they they took care of business at home,
1: which is what we expect Florida State to do. Sure, and and just I wanted to point out, I've seen a lot of hate on Dave Dorn on Twitter, talking about needing to fire him this year, and I just want to say, stop that. He's uh he's had back-to-back 9-1 seasons at NC State. That's hard to even imagine at this point. So anyone that's on the Fire Dave bandwagon, reevaluate your life for the time being. Uh you know, wait till yeah, next year yeah. if we're still looking at a similar Wolfpack team uh to start lobbing those kind of calls. Yeah, that's that's
0: insanity. Just yeah, sit back, relax, enjoy the yeah. ride.
1: Team's rebuild, it's natural.
0: Uh let's talk about uh some some three uh three of the Lesser games in the in the conference this week, Tim. So Georgia Tech loses to Temple 24-2. Uh, all three turnovers for Georgia Tech came when uh, drives were inside the Temple 35. So if you do that, you're not going to win games. Uh, Temple had 198 yards on the ground. Uh, Reman Davis, 29 carries for 135 and two scores. So, you know, Jeff Collins' return to uh, Philadelphia was, was spoiled in this one.
1: Yeah, it was. It's, you know. It wasn't the greatest return for him. Temple is, is a Jekyll and Hyde team. They continue to be. Uh, they looked good against Georgia Tech. Most teams do. Again, we know nothing more about Georgia Tech. It's going to be a rough year for them. Um, you know. But we like Swaggy G. We like where they're headed. It's just one of those things where GT is going to be who GT is. For, GT is for the entire year, and there's no real hope for them improving a whole lot given the personnel that they have. So uh, you know, if you're a GT fan, you're just kind of waiting the year out. And, and just hoping that everything's going well on the recruiting trail and that the transition between uh, schemes and styles is going well and, and you open up next year with a more explosive team.
0: Pitt 17, Delaware 14. So as I mentioned, Pitt sat seven starters in this one, including Kenny Pickett. Uh, so Pickett apparently had a shoulder injury against UCF that he played through last week. Uh, Nick Patty, redshirt freshman, got the nod. Went twenty-three is thirty-seven for two seventy-one and two scores. Did have a really bad interception that led to points for Delaware. Uh, obviously, not a great showing uh, for the Panthers. It just kind of leaves your head scratching, like you know how does this happen? But you know, it seems like the coaching staff decided to give some guys a rest in this one that almost bit them. Uh, I think the one thing that was uh, positive for them was Todd Sibley had uh, twenty-two carries for one hundred six on the ground. So. That was their first 100-yard performance of the season, so maybe they can take something out of that.
1: Yeah, and Tacey or Max Max are continuing to have a great year at wide receiver for Pitt. I think that's been huge for them. Uh, we'll see where he's sitting at the end of the year, um, but if, if the last three games tell us anything, the trend for Tacey is is pointing straight up, so we'll see if they continue to work him into the offense and make him an integral part of that air attack.
0: Last game of the week, Syracuse takes down Holy Cross 41-3. Tommy DeVito throws four touchdowns for the second straight game. Did leave in the fourth quarter with an injury, but sounds like he's going to be fine. Biggest takeaway for me here, Tim, was Babers was critical of the offense and said it reminds him of paint drying because it looks slow to him. So they did have three turnovers in the fourth quarter. Other than that, they played okay. Uh, He did have more praise for the defense because they didn't allow the touchdowns, so that's really hard to do in college football, so... Uh, still not sure what's going on with Syracuse. I mean, you know, whatever. 41-3 against Holy Cross, good, uh, expected. They have a bye next week, and then they head to North Carolina State after that. So that'll be a, uh interesting matchup.
1: Yeah, and th- that's going to be a tough game, I think. Both teams are going to want to win that one very badly. As far as Holy Cross, it's Syracuse playing Holy Cross. There's only so much you can see out of that. But good to see DeVito back on track, still on track in this case. Um, but Baber's comments make you scratch your head a little bit and realize Uh, they're definitely not hitting on all cylinders on offense and I'm sure that's concerning to him Um, if they were playing somebody other than Holy Cross they may have run into some trouble but uh, yeah they roll DeVito continues to play well hopefully he heals up and is healthy for next week and uh, yeah again another Jekyll and Hyde team Syracuse is is one that is extremely extremely hard to predict especially if you look at that defense in a a vacuum they just uh, they've had a strange year so far
0: Yeah, exactly. So, that is our show for today. Thanks for joining. If you're a Hokies fan out there, keep your head up. Uh, Just kind of reset your expectations about, you know, current state of the football program, and uh, just try to get through it. Week by week, we'll see what happens. If there's changes, uh, you know, we'll take that as a positive, but... Uh, Thanks for joining. If this was your first time, be sure to click that subscribe button. Tell your friends. Uh, We are Chowder and Grits. Once again, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. You can uh, listen to us basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, but uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify seem to be the top two choices. Tim, why don't you tell these people what they can do for us?
1: Leave a review. uh, Share our comment on any social media platform that you're on, whether it be Facebook or Twitter. Feel free to interact with us. We love interacting with you guys and Um, You know, you've been really really hitting up the Twitter consistently, and we absolutely love that. So keep that up. Uh, Leave us some reviews on whatever you listen to. Again, we we really love the five-star reviews. Keep them coming. It helps us uh, gain our visibility. And, you know, thanks to you guys for your continued support and continued listening. Sorry this week's episode was such a bummer. Uh, We hate being so negative, but at some point you have to be completely realistic with what you're dealing with. Um, and hopefully changes get made, and we have a happier show next week. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I think no the, the spirits will be a little bit dampened still on our preview show uh, this week. But hey, maybe we'll have some changes to talk about. So we'll, we'll in come the meantime, back, guns a
0: blazing. We're gonna have a positive news conference. there's gonna be changes, and there's gonna go. be
1: there's gonna be some good things to talk about. There's gonna be accountability. Uh, Mike Vick is gonna be your new offensive coordinator. It's gonna be great. Um, anyway, we really appreciate you guys listening. So as usual, I'll leave it with a go ACC and go Hokies.
0: I'd also like to give a special shout out to the Asbury Petacycle. Uh, go to pedalat.com. Thank you for letting me use your uh, device here today. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a sponsor of the show, give me a call. See you guys later.